0: Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields message podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time, or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. So you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators.
1: So Jesus over everything. As I've been reading through Colossians again this week, I've been really challenged. Uh, my life has been really challenged. I've come away from my readings this week even more wanting my life to make a difference for Jesus and for the kingdom. I want to make the most of every opportunity, I want to maximise my life for God's glory. I hope as we go through this morning, something of that might be echoing, rippling out over all of us. We, Kaz and I have, have had a bit of a mantra to our lives um, ever since probably the early 90s of making the most of every moment. Not for us, but making the most of every moment for Jesus, for the kingdom. And, and, and on my prayer is this morning that we do that. Why? Because Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worth it. Our Jesus reigns supreme in the heavens and on earth. And he wants to reign supreme in our lives, in your life. And when, when we get that alignment right, when, when we recognize that and we step under God's authority when we step under God's anointing, when we step under the will of God and we allow the will of God to work through us rather than, as I mentioned last week, moving away from that, we can have such an impact for the kingdom. Why? Not because, hey, how good are we? But because of how good is he? Our God is worthy. So we're going to continue on with Colossians. Now I'm going to start by reading the core text that we started with last week, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit more as we go through. So from Colossians chapter one and verse twelve, this is what Paul wrote to the church, and I believe what he's saying to us today. He has enabled you to share, and Jesus has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Let's just pause there. Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Don't let that that line wash past you. Jesus, through his death on the cross... Enabled our sins to be forgiven. The stuff, sin, if you're new to church, you're just checking church out, maybe you're dipping the toe in the water of the Christian faith. You know, there's, some, there's some words and some phrases that, that the Scriptures use and Christians use that you may not be familiar with. Sin is really when we do things that God says, I'm just, I, that's not your, my way for your life. Sin is when we do things God's not happy with. That, that, that's really, in essence, what sin's about. Where He says, you've just stepped into a place where that's not what I've got for your life. Paul continues, he says, he writes, Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he's supreme over all creation. Now get this, for through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world, in the heavenlies. Everything was created through Jesus and everything was created for Jesus hands up if you're in everything (laughs) let me ask that again everything was created are you in everything I'm in everything hands up if you're in everything there oh oh, that's what you mean okay (laughs) gotcha so Rachel go oh I know what you mean now yeah 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 we, you and I, we're everything. So we, you and I, Murray, and insert your name here, was created through Jesus and for Jesus. He existed before anything else and he holds creation together. Jesus holds creation together. and you're part of, You and I are part of creation. Christ is also the head of the church. He's the head of highlands, which is the body, his body. He's the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he Is first in everything. If you remember anything out of this series, that's what I want us to grab. Jesus is first in everything. And what he's asking of us is, Would you make me first in your life? For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. When Jesus died, When Jesus was crucified, he made peace with all of earth, all of eternity. He made peace, created a way and then rose again to overcome death and hell and sin that you and I might have not not only life and everlasting life. And we we use that phrase. We say we can have life and everlasting life with Jesus. What does it mean? It means we get to have a personal relationship with the Lord of all. The one that we talked about that's supreme. The one that we talked about that is holy, that is worthy. Through what Jesus did, you and I get to have a personal, intimate relationship with him. That's why we're here this morning. That's why this church exists. Not because we want to get a big crowd of people coming and singing good songs and hearing someone speak. Because we recognize Jesus is Lord over our lives and we want to give him glory and honor and praise. Jesus is first in everything. Jesus is the center of everything. Everything comes out from whom he is. Jesus is the beginning and Jesus is the end. And Jesus is the anchor, we learnt last week, Jesus is the anchor to which we should tether. But our beautiful, wonderful God says that's truth. And then he says, now you have a choice. You have a choice to tether to the anchor who is Jesus, or you have a choice to go off and do your own thing. So let me ask you, if you looked at your life today, are you living the good life? Are you living the better life? Or are you living the best life? And I'm here to tell you that as you read through Paul's letter to the Colossians, what he says is, if you want to live the best life, you'll live a brand new life, which we're going to go into over the next few weeks. You're going to live that new life that he brings. It's when you tether and anchor yourself to Jesus. So you and I have the opportunity every moment of every day to be our best. And the good news is you never have to live a moment of life alone. He's with you. He's for you. He's given his inheritance for you. He's created a new life for you to live. He's given you a purpose for you to discover and live out. Our God is beautiful, is wonderful, is glorious. That's why when people say, why why, as a church are you so enthusiastic in your worship? This is why. This is why we want to give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Not because, oh, well, it's just God and it's just Jesus and he, you know, 2,000 years ago, he did something really nice. (laughs) That... Jesus is worthy of our lives, submitted to him. You see why I love this book. I love this letter. I love the writings of Jesus. He brings a hope that no one else who has ever lived or will ever live, could ever bring. Let's maximize every moment, maximize every moment of our lives together. So last week, I started and I spoke about how Paul starts his letter to the church by encouraging the church. And I read from Colossians chapter 1, and verse 4. I'm going to read it again because this is really powerful in terms of setting the scene. He says, For we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out through all the world. The good news is what I just talked about. This Jesus who wants to come alive in you. It's bearing fruit. This good news is starting to bear fruit everywhere by changing lives. It is just as it changed your lives From the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. What a beautiful encouragement to the church. But then near the end of the first chapter of this letter, Paul brings a warning and it is so relevant to us today. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth. And when he says believe, he doesn't just mean believe in your head. The the understanding of... Belief in the Greek in here is not just believe in your head, but believe and act with your heart and with your lives. Okay, Belief isn't just, I believe, I think it's right. No, no, no. The belief, the context of belief here is, I believe, I know it to be true, and my life will follow this belief. It's crucial, sorry, but we must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Then he says, there's the warning. He says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you first heard the good news. So we recognise that if we don't have an anchor set in Jesus, we can so easily become distracted. And we can move away from this life, this, this new life, this full life, this life of abundance that the Gospels talk about. We can drift away and live a life where we know about God and we know about Jesus and we know about how we should live we drift away from actually embracing the truth of what it means we start to drift and this week we're going to look at we're going to look real quick at the four areas that our lives drift that i talked about last week and then i'm going to give you three more hebrews chapter two says it's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off the hebrew writer says you know what you know now hold on tether down anchor in If the message delivered by the angels was valid and nobody got away with anything, do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? I love the Hebrew writer. He, he, He says, hey, don't risk it. He says, don't risk the drift. He's saying, know there's a drift, know that it's possible... Sometimes we don't make a conscious decision to move away from God, but we talked last week about sometimes we just drift, we get caught up with life, we get caught up with the business of things, and we get caught up with our own personal ideas, and we get caught up with the dreams and goals that we have, and we get caught up with relationships and we get caught up with focuses on finances and we get caught. And all of a sudden we drift. We don't mean to, we don't realize that we have, but all of a sudden, that connection, that understanding of sitting with Him, gets missed, gets lost. the anointing, the blessing. And the fulfillment of a life of peace and joy and hope gets missed in the drift. So last week, real quick, here are the four ways that we've covered so far. Firstly, we said we can drift away from God when we stop loving and caring for others. Remember we talked about the fact that when our lives become all about me and not about us, when we start looking too much at ourselves and not enough about how do we serve others, how do we love others, then we lose it. We, lose, we drift away. Secondly, we looked at we drift when we start becoming impatient and we stop pressing into God. We talked about when we can drift away when, when God says wait or when we don't get an answer that we want and we become impatient and we don't press in and go, I don't understand why, but I'm pressing in. I talked to someone this morning and their family um, has been really just, just sickness after sickness after sickness and things just keep coming at them. With different health issues, keep coming at them with different health issues. And they just sat down as a couple. Their kids have been crooked, they've been cooking. They sat down as a couple and they said, Well, we can get angry and frustrated, or we can just say, God, we just you know, other issues, financial issues were going on as well. And they just said, Well, we can get caught up in that, or we can come back to what we know. We know our God is faithful. We know we can trust in Him more than any other. We may not understand what's going on in our world, but we're gonna stand firm in our faith. We're not gonna drift. And this morning, as I was talking um, to, to the wife and the mum, I won't mention names, but she said it's amazing. She said, we're not fully healthy now, but we're a lot healthier than we were. And financially, things have started to come together. The pressures of what we've been trying to do in terms of buying land and buying, uh, building, building a house. God seems to bring, be bringing it together. His timing, not ours. We would have had this happen a lot earlier, a lot sooner. But we're not going to let the drift impact our lives and our trust and our faith in him. Thirdly, we said we, are, we drift when we're ungrateful and we stop worshipping. When we stop pressing into God by coming and worshipping together on a Sunday. When we stop worshipping in our own times. When, we stop, when we're not in the Word. When we're not with him and we become ungrateful. and we neglect, we drift. And then fourthly, we said anytime we put anything before our God, even if it's our family, even if it's our own desires... No matter what it is, if we put anything before God, we can drift. I love hearing stories this week of small groups, some of our small groups who've been, who've been talking about Colossians and talking about the, those first four drifts. And people have been talking and sharing about, hey, you know what, this is an area I need to watch. I think this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, what do you need to watch for the drift? What do you need to be aware of? And some of our small groups have been talking about it during the week and reading through Colossians. Short letter. Encourage you to read it if you haven't already this week. And start to talk to others about what you're picking up on. You see, when we drift, we move out of the alignment of God. So real quick, here's three more that you might relate to. Things that Paul warns us in Colossians chapter 1, where we can drift away from this beautiful, intimate, loving relationship with a God who is able and a God who knows far better than we do. The next one I want to look at comes out of uh, verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace. So therefore, the opposite of peace, when we're experiencing, when we're looking at, when we're getting involved in the opposite of that, it can move us away. So confusion and busyness and dispute, we drift away from God and we allow busyness and confusion to linger. Now, I'm not saying there's not times where we get busy. I'm not times where not, we don't get confused. I'm not saying there's not times where we, we don't have disputes. But when we allow them to linger and we don't deal with them, we don't come back, we can drift. Because we can stay in that place of dispute. We can stay in that place of busyness. We can stay in that place of confusion. And if we don't deal with it, recognize it and come back, and it lingers, we start to move away from the truth of who God is and we drift Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 4 says, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. I love this. Don't get weary trying to make money. Don't get so weary trying to, trying to get more things to create wealth. Stop dwelling on it. Stop making it your focus. Stop putting it first. Because if you do, you will drift. Busyness. How often when you say to someone, how's your week been? I've been flat out, been flat out. You know, you won't talk about the great day you had playing golf on the Friday when you had the day off or down at, we went, to, it was our, it's our son-in-law's birthday tomorrow and we went to Movie World um, yesterday, half the rides were closed, Kaz was devastated. Many of you know that I'm not really into roller coasters so I didn't have to carry the bags too much yesterday so that was good, good for me. <laughs> but you know, we can talk, we, we tend to go with the, for some reason we want to wear this badge of honour that says busy. Don't we? Oh, flat out when was the last time you said how was your week oh it was a breeze I had a really easy week this week we should we should, it should it's okay to say that I just had a week where I just connected him with family work was great connecting with God that, that's, that's how we should be expressing ourselves what do we say flat out really busy work's and it becomes part of the part of our language it, we don't even think about it you might have had a slack week Probably on holidays. Oh, flat out. I well, actually know I'm on holidays. I've seen pastors who preach every single week. But they're so busy. Their personal relationship with Jesus isn't one where it should be. And I don't want to pick on pastors because I'm one I think I can. We see pastors fall and you go, it's supposed to be a man or a woman of God preaching from the pulpit. And again, I'm not coming from a place of being perfect because you know, most of you know well enough to know that we are not perfect. We are just called to serve in this way, like you are called to serve in other ways. But what I would say is when you start to get ahead of yourself, busyness, importance gets to the place where you drift. If you're busy, seek stillness. If you find yourself saying I'm busy, flat out, seek stillness. Confusion. Some of us just get disappointed when God's not answering our prayers and we drift. We get negative through the difficult times and we drift. The apostle Paul says, seek peace. He says, seek it, look for it, look for peace. Because he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. See, God made so in the busyness of life, in the most stressful times. In the times where you don't get what's happening, scriptures say you can still experience the peace of God. The world would say, well, I can only experience peace if I'm not flat out or if things are going right, if if everything's working to my faith, oh, then I can experience peace. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying Jesus has already provided peace for your heart despite your circumstances. But when we go without where we're feeling and not what we know, We drift. And then dispute. Some of us this morning are sitting in a place of, of relational dispute. And the Scriptures say, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. So if you're in a place at the moment where you're in dispute with someone, if, if you're not reconciled with someone, as far as it depends on you, it doesn't mean it can ha- it's going to happen if the other person's not up for it, but is your heart pure and clear enough that you are not sitting in a place of dispute because of you. Because if you are, Paul says, peace is available for you, but you need to reconcile as far as it depends on you. Maybe it's as simple as in your heart saying, I'm sorry and I forgive. Maybe it's, it's a matter for you of going to someone and saying, can we, can we get this right? Can we get this settled? And if they say, no, not interested, as far as it depends on you something will change in your life and the drift will stop if you seek to reconcile. Seek to reconcile as much as it depends on you. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know your situation. But I think everyone has been in in moments where there's been someone who's done them wrong. A guy who who I was in business with. Many of you know that in the the early 90s, um, in between our beautiful daughters, Brooke and Casey, we had a daughter, Courtney, who at 12 weeks of age... um, died of of sudden infant infant death syndrome SIDS and at that same time we were in in business with someone while I was still working in the fire brigade and uh, the business was struggling and he decided to go into personal bankruptcy and ran off and left all the debt with us in the midst of our grief you can imagine that I was pretty angry really angry with all that happened and God spoke to me about this and he said, you know what's going to happen, Murray? If you keep holding on to that, if you keep carrying this, if you, 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 this dispute stays with you, it won't damage him. It'll damage you. And I had to get to the point where I needed to truly forgive and let it go. And to this day, if I bumped into this, this gentleman again, I would sit down with a coffee with him, and I generally want to know what's happened with his life. I couldn't have said that 10 years ago. But God did a work in my heart. So when I say we need to work through this because of what the scripture says about he's already made peace in everything. We need to experience it. This is what it means. If you're in dispute, then perhaps you're drifting from what God has for you. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Secondly, we drift away from God when we disconnect from Jesus. Jesus. Verse 21 says this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. You were separated from him. How? By your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now, praise God, Jesus has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. See, we can drift when we disconnect from Jesus. Why? Because Jesus doesn't move. God doesn't move. We move away from him. I keep using this as an example because I want you to know that our God is steadfast. Our God is steadfast. Even though you may not feel like he is close, he never, ever moves. Even if you feel he's gone quiet, he's still with you. I am for you, not against you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't move. So if you're feeling a long way from God, guess who moved? And so this is what Paul's, Paul's warning. He's saying... Come back. You're drifting. Come back. And what does it mean to reconnect with the Jesus that maybe you're disconnecting with? And how does he say we can disconnect? For our, our evil thoughts and our evil actions. Another definition of sin. Talked about sin earlier. When, when we do stuff that God doesn't want for our lives, what we start to do is we start to disconnect. We start to move away. We start to separate ourselves. We drift away from God when we allow sin, we allow this stuff to enter our lives. And there's so much that we can talk about in this area. You know, we can talk about well, you know, some of us we hear the word sin and we think of the big stuff. We think of murder, we think of rape, and we think of you know horrific stuff. And we think, well, that's sin, and it is. But often we don't talk about gossip, and we don't talk about lying, and we don't talk about anger, or jealousy or manipulation, or pride, or arrogance, or lust, or greed, or addiction, pornography, alcohol, drugs. I mention those things not to, not to condemn you, but to warn you, as Paul did, that when we allow those things to take our life, we drift. And he says, but I've got a better life for you. And I want—I haven't moved, so I want to walk with you through this. I want to help you to get the other side of this. He doesn't just say, clean yourself up and come back. He says, no, no, no. I love you just the way you are. I want you to get this. Whatever's going on in your world right now, whatever's going on in your, thought, in your thoughts, in your, in, your, um, in your dreams, in your desires, whatever's going on in your life right now, no matter how ugly that is, God cannot love you any more than he loves you right now. Jesus cannot love you any more than he loves you in this moment right now, in the midst of your ugliness, in the midst of my ugliness. This is, what, this is the beautiful thing about our Jesus. He loves you just the way you are. But guess what? He loves you too much to let you stay there he's got so much more for you. And he says, if you'll come back and you'll connect with me. Don't disconnect when you connect with me. Watch what I do in your life. Watch how you and I together will overcome temptation. See, temptation will always be there. People, I hear people say, God, take, remove this temptation from me. Well, the, the, the job, the, the um, modus operandi of the enemy, the devil, is to tempt. He comes to rob and kill and destroy. His job is to tempt you. But how many know that our Jesus is stronger? So when we align ourselves with Jesus, that temptation is never stronger than the power and the influence of Jesus. Because he's for you, not against you. We're separated from, from him by evil thoughts and actions, but Jesus found a way of reconciling. And so all we need to do is not fight to come back, is to accept what Jesus has done for you and to then say, I'm with you, I want to align myself with you. The way we do that is we seek, we seek what's called repentance. And repentance is not just forgetting, oh, well, God's bigger than my sin. It's coming to him and saying, God, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for watching that, that stuff. I'm so sorry for talking that way. I'm so sorry for, for spending time in that place. I'm so sorry for what I'm... In, taking into my body i'm so sorry would you help me would you first forgive me and help me to turn around and then will you help me that's repentance and when we do that and we turn around repentance is taking a 180 degree turn i'm heading in this direction no longer i'm turning away from it when we do that with god's help watch what he does watch how he opens up life so what are quickly other ways that we disconnect from god Unmet expectations. We've talked a little bit of that already. We want God to do this and we want to do it now. And God says, my ways are not your ways. I love you. I know what's best for you. And this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And the end game will be, I'm going to draw you closer to myself if you let me. Another way is when we ignore God. When we we suffer significant trauma or pain, maybe a loss of a loved one, and, and, and we don't surrender to him. And we don't say, God, I want to say yes to you no matter what. When we spend time away from church, when we spend time away from Christian community, when we do this, when we step away from one another, when God says, "I made you as a body," look at the scriptures right through the New Testament. He never, he very rarely talks about us as individuals. He talks about us as a body, who need one another. The arm needs the leg, needs the body, needs the eye, needs the ear. We need one another. So when we step back away from the body of Christ, the church when we become a part and not a part I want to be a part of the church not separated God does something he wants to connect us in community that's why we run small groups here one of the reasons we do small groups is to make sure not just Sunday but through the week we're doing life together we currently have 23 I think it's now 24 Liz is not here this morning Um, 23 small groups 23 small groups and there's more starting all the time opportunities for you to connect in community. When we spend time away from the Scriptures, when we, when we spend time away from God's Word, when we do that, we separate, we separate ourselves from Jesus. Because if you want to know about Jesus, the best way of doing it is read God's holy inspired Scriptures. Get into the New Testament. Read the Gospels. Read about the life of Jesus. You want to reconnect or connect. Maybe you're checking God, checking God out, checking Jesus out. Best place to start is the Gospels. Two-thirds of the way through the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I love Mark. I love John. They're they're all great, but Mark and John are great places to start. Talks about the life of Jesus. Talks to you about his love. Talks about why we worship the way we worship. Stay in the word. When we spend time away from prayer, when we, we need to seek intimacy with him. Best way? Spending time with him in intimacy. So what does it mean to reconcile yourself back to Jesus if you've been away? Maybe for some of you, you've never been baptised. Maybe for some of you, you've never thought about this whole idea of being baptised. And if we're serious about following Jesus, the Scriptures say, believe and be baptised. It doesn't say, believe, become the best Christian you can be, and then be baptised. It says, believe and be baptised. So right now, what I would say to you is, if you haven't been baptised as a believer... What might that look like? I I made a decision. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I made a decision in my mid-twenties to become a Christian. Four weeks later, I was baptised. I didn't know much about Jesus. All I knew was he was now my Lord and Saviour, and what he said, I wanted to follow. So when he said, believe and be baptised, that's for me. Four weeks later. So wherever you're at in your faith, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, I want you to really prayerfully consider coming and talking to Kaz saying, can I be baptised? If you haven't been baptised as a believer, can I be baptised? I, I, I want to make sure that I'm following God in every area of my life. This strong warning that we hear about drifting away from Jesus is also mentioned by, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 16. A person who wanders, drifts from the way of understanding, will rest in the assembly of the dead. The writer of Proverbs warns us that if we keep drifting away from the things of Jesus... Be careful where you end up. That's, his, that's his, his warning to us. Be careful where you end up if you keep drifting. And finally, we drift away from God when we believe lies and stop embracing God's truth. When we start believing lies and stop embracing the truth of who God says we are. Because you know the world will continue to lie to you. The world will continue to lie to you about who you are, what you do, what you need, what's, what's, what's required of you. And the more we listen to the world's lies and the less we listen to the truth and embrace God's truth, the more we will drift. Stop embracing the lies the world's screaming about you. You need a man to make you whole. Lie. Your life will be perfect when you find the right woman. Lie. God says I love you just the way you are. You don't need anyone to fulfill your identity and who you are. Yet the world says, if you're over 21 and you're single, there's something wrong with you. Lie, lie, lie. Maybe God wants to do a work in you and through you. In this moment right now. For you to say, I am... My identity is not in who stands next to me. My identity is who I am in you. Maybe even in your marriage. You may love your spouse... But is your identity in your marriage, in your partner, or is your identity in Jesus? Lies. More money, a bigger house, a newer car, that'll make you happy. That's a lie. Of course, the one many of us believe is you're not good enough, you don't deserve it. There's actually, I've now heard of, of this thing called imposter syndrome. I hear people talking about it all the time. I feel I'm I'm in this role, I've got this job, I'm doing this thing, but it's almost like I feel an imposter. Who am I to to be doing this? Now, I'm not talking about humility. Humility is a good thing, but sometimes we need to embrace who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the King, that God has provided a moment for us, provided a situation, a circumstance, and we should sit in that moment. What are the lies that you're believing? Maybe it's time to come back to the truth of who God says you are. You're wonderful. You're more than a conqueror. You were born for a purpose. All things are possible through Christ who gives you strength. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He knows you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. And maybe the lie of comparison I could never be like so and so could never be like Ezra could never just stand up here and just talk like he did and just seem so comfortable I could never be like Isaac I could never be like Rachel I could never be like you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be I'm supposed to be like Murray it's okay that if I stood behind those keys right now it would not be a soothing tone My call is my call. My, my life is my life, and if I don't live it, who will? Jesus says, "I've made you for a purpose, Murray. Now live that purpose out, with all of your flaws. Live that out. But if I go, no, 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 I want to be, I want to live, I want to be like Rachel. I want to be, I want to be like Rachel. I want to play like Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I think I, re- I hope I didn't wreck anything there with what you're doing. That makes a horrible sound, yeah? But when Murray's Murray, warts and all, in God's eyes it makes a beautiful sound. When Sharon's Sharon, beautiful sound. Dawn's Dawn, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sound. Susie, Susie, what a, what a beautiful sound her, her life makes. Beautiful. God says, Be you. Stop comparing. Psalm 109. Verse 2 says, For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened up against me. People are speaking lies about me. They've spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Be aware that will happen. Stand firm in who you are. Who Jesus says that you are. You see, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22 says this. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his, his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's how he sees you, white as snow. So, watch your anchor this morning as I close? Is it Jesus? Is Jesus your anchor? Does Paul's writing to the church in Colossae does does he does he help you to understand what he's saying to you personally and as the church? You're beautiful. You're wonderful. Is your anchor Jesus or is your anchor your work? is your anchor the people in your world? Is your anchor yourself? You don't need anyone else. Is your anchor the state of the world? When the world's going well, I feel good. But when it's not, I don't, don't function. Is your anchor the financial situation or your family, what others say about you? Or is even the anchor your church? They are false anchors because they'll cause you to drift. Remember, God's calling us, Jesus is calling us to continue to believe his truth, stand firmly in it and not to drift away from the good news. You see, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation, a new person. The old life is gone and all things become new. This morning, many of us need to be reminded of that we are a new creation in Jesus. The old's passed away and all things have become new. And some of us here this morning may have never ever thought about that, that I can become, step into this new life, this new life that God has for me. And you know why? Simply, that's coming to him and saying, God, I'm sorry that I've ignored you. Would you come into my life? And for some of us this morning, it's time to do that. And For others of us, it's time for us to say, God, I'm sorry for drifting. I'm sorry for drifting. I want to step back into that new life that you've called me to.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you, to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and wanna connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram, or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.